Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Today I want to talk about the God who fights for us. God fights for us. God fights for us. Lord, we thank you that you are active in the world. We thank you that you are not far off. We thank you that you're not distant. We thank you that you have not abandoned us or left us to ourselves, but you are here right now. You're at work in this world. Your kingdom has come. Your kingdom is coming, and we're going to one day see it in its ultimate fulfillment and fullness. But thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing in the earth and in history together today. Jesus, you said that the saints and prophets of long ago wished they could be alive when your disciples were seeing what was happening. And then here we are these 2,000 years later getting to see more and more and more of your glory and your goodness at work. And, Lord, in the midst of things getting better and better, we see that things get worse and worse. And we're so grateful that worse and worse doesn't have the last word. We're so grateful, O oh God. We're so grateful that your light is breaking forth. I know the news and social media and most of our world is only hearing the negative. They're only hearing the negative reports. But we thank you that there's a testimony of God throughout the earth right now, that you are on the move and that we are privileged to know and see just a glimpse of it. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be alive for such a time as this. And we ask you to have your way uh, as we spend time in your word this morning. And we ask you to touch us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I actually appreciate the, the ways of the Lord. Last Sunday morning, uh, as I was praying for our service, the Lord gave me this passage to pray over us. <clears throat> because the Lord is with us as we face enemies of fear, despair, sickness, oppression, discouragement, demonic opposition. And the truth is the Lord gives us victory over our enemies. Amen. And so that Lord gave me that verse. And I actually had this thought when he gave it just for prayer. I was supposed to pray this over us. <clears throat> and I thought, man, that would really be a good sermon. And so uh, Apostle Mosey couldn't be here today and I get to preach this. And aren't you the beneficiary? So... Um, yeah, so we read in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 to 4, and this is to the people, uh, Moses is speaking to them, they're going to be going in and possessing the land, they've come up out of Egypt, and so Moses has been preparing them and teaching them and, 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 and helping them to understand the assignment that Joshua's going to have as their leader. When you go to war against your enemies, verse 1, and you see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours... Do not be afraid of them, because the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. When you're about to go into battle, <clears throat> the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified do not give way to panic before them, for the Lord God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. God fights for us. God gives us victories and victory against our enemies. Before I, I talk about, I have four points I want to make from this message. Um, 
you know, I was thinking of the other day about the powerful illustration and metaphor and reality that God's deliverance of his people from Egypt was. You know, you think about that. Here's a people that go and they live in the land. They go there because God sent them there, right? Prepared a way for Joseph to actually save the Hebrew children. They go there and they live 400 years. There was a severe drought in the earth and God had sent Joseph ahead of them, redeeming a terrible situation. His brothers had sold him uh, into, you know, into slavery, and which was a much better option than what they had thought about doing, which was killing him. And then God does such a work, he moves up through the prisons and then has all the dreams and then he becomes second in command of the most powerful nation on earth. I mean, who can do that but God? right? Who sees the end from the beginning? Who is at work? God's at work in your life like that. You know, um, I had some people, they were really encouraged by the phrase I've been using, master strategist, which actually comes from wonderful counselor in Isaiah chapter nine. You know, it, it actually, that I, I just, I'm so amazed at how God strings things together. And you can look over a lifetime together at how he's worked in your life. If you have eyes to see, and then there's a lot that we don't see, right? And that's going to be one of the, uh, you know, Pastor Steve has taught us that we're going to spend all eternity getting to know God better, getting to understand ourselves, getting to see what he's done. And one of the highlights that I, I believe is going to be in the presence of God as we rule and reign with him on the earth and serve his purposes is he's going to be telling us about all the things and showing us how he wove everything together. You know, some people wish that God would just make this world go exactly like he wants it and that we were all robots and that everything would go perfectly. You know, my definition of God is not in his ability to control things and in his ability to just wind it up and let it go according to his will. But what's amazing to me about God is God can take all the work of the enemy all the work of broken human beings, all the work of this, this broken world, and he can sum everything up to the glory of his son. Now that's God. I mean, if he had everything to work with and it was perfect, that wouldn't be as impressive to me as, I mean, just think about the decisions you as an individual make. They're really crummy. And you've made one or two, right? And God, it says that he can take it and work it together for good. He can take everything that happens in your life. He doesn't say it's good, Romans 8, 28, but he says he can take it and work it together for your good. Now that's redemption, amen? Because there's been junk that's happened to us. There have been issues, there have been things, there have been abuses, there have been pains, there's been brokenness, there's, there's been injustice, there's been sickness, there's been all sorts of stuff that has hit our lives, and yet that doesn't have the last word. Jesus does. And so as we look at a passage like this and we look, so it was a few years ago I heard someone, someone just could not believe that God loved them and that God was going to finish his work in them and they just kept focusing on how bad they were and how broken they were and how disappointing Jesus they were. And my friend looked at this person and said, you are no big deal in the midst of the ministry session. In the midst of that ministry session, they said, listen, you want to know what a big deal is? 
A big deal is taking a people who were enslaved for 400 years and hearing their cries and working on their behalf against the most powerful nation in the world at the time and taking a group of slaves who didn't understand anything about defense or fighting. They'd never been trained in those things. And then he defeats the most powerful army in the world and takes them through the Red Sea and through the desert and then through their own rebellion and brokenness and still fulfills his word to bring them into the promised land. He looked at this person receiving ministry again who just couldn't get it and said, you're not that big a deal. A big deal is that. You know, I've been meditating that for decades. I just thought, you know, because I keep thinking, man, you know, I'm, I'm never going to get this right. And God, I keep messing it up. And I just keep hearing my friends say, you're no big deal. You're just not that big a deal. A big deal is leading tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or ever how many it was. That's a big, and feeding them, right? Feeding in the desert. I'm from West Texas. It rains eight inches a year. I can't imagine the desert that they went through and he takes care of them and gets them into the promised land. Now that's God. So if you don't have anything else that you hear from today's message is you're just not that big a deal. <laughs> you're just not that big of a problem for God to fix you, to heal you, to transform you, to work in your life and to bring you into his promises for your life in Christ Jesus. God fights for us. The Lord has raised up soldiers, warriors, and champions for his kingdom purposes in the earth. So verse 20, verse 1, when you go to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. So God has called us to be soldiers, to be warriors, to be champions for his kingdom purposes in the earth. So he says, so when you go to war, bulletin, we're at war. This world, there, we have enemies, and the enemy is not the other political party. The enemy is not your neighbor. The enemy, the enemy are the principalities in power, the world forces of darkness. It is the, the work of, of the demons and the spiritual forces of wickedness. That's our enemy. And, we, and the enemy is not your brother or sister in Christ who doesn't think like you and doesn't see things the way you do. Your enemy, we need to identify our real enemy, but he says, when you go to war, when, when. So he's, he's talking to a people, they're about to have to go in and take possession of what God is doing. And God says, we're gonna do this in partnership. You're going to go in, you have to do the work, but I'm gonna be with you. God says, I've got a part, you've got a part. You can't do my part, God says, and I'm not going to do your part. And so we are at war. When you're at war, against your enemies. Okay, so there, we've got it, we're at war. We're a part of the willing army of the Lord for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 110. This is the most frequently quoted Psalm in the New Testament, Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion and you will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on the day of your battle. So we are a willing army of the Lord for the Lord's sake. 
So some people actually are wondering today, is there a devil? Are there, in, are there demons? Is there evil in the world? Well, I'm just going by what the Lord has said in his, in his word, by his revelation, and what Jesus has taught us, and what we're still experiencing today. I just want to submit to you that there really is an enemy. There really are world forces of darkness, principalities and powers. There are demons. There is supernatural evil that is at work trying to thwart what God wants to do, working against his plans. And so one of the ways that you can cooperate with the enemy's side is to not even know that you're in a battle and you become fodder for the enemy or even a channel for the enemy, like Peter did, right? And we've all been like Peter, right? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, when Jesus asked him, who, who do you say the son of man is? And, and Jesus goes, that's great, Peter, because you only could get that from the Father. Then he tells them what this means. And they had a theology that the Messiah was gonna come, defeat Rome, elevate Israel, and was gonna rule and reign and set up an earthly kingdom then, and their theology, their mental model had no room for a Christ who died on a cross and who was gonna be dead and buried and raised three days. So Peter said, when Jesus told him what he was gonna do, this one who got this revelation from the Father pulled him aside and said, may it never be, you can't do this. And what did Jesus have to say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan, because you've not set your heart on the things of God, but on the things of men, right? Now, if Peter can have a moment like that, there's been moments like mine and yours life, right, where we, we got it wrong. But praise God, he doesn't give up on us or quit, and Peter's story is an amazing story of restoration, transformation, and fulfillment, and he just keeps going on with God. May that be our lives, amen? So if you didn't know there's a war, I wanna invite you to consider that this is our reality. And when you see things and read things and you look at a person on the screen or you look at who the people are telling you to hate or resist or judge or condemn or to get rid of as fast as you can, let's hear another voice saying, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so what's behind that? Well, that's a spirit of fear. Like what principalities are really at work in our country since 2020 with the COVID? Fear and, and hatred. And that takes no discernment, right? Fear and hatred. There's a new strain of COVID going around and people are scared because we've seen people die. We've seen the pain. We've seen supply chain problems. We've seen, we've seen. And so remember after Harvey, when we had some serious thunderstorms that came through the Houston area, could you feel the palpable fear go up? Is this that? None of us would want that again, would we? So things get triggered. We're, but we're to be a part of a willing army, a willing army. Jesus says he's going to have a willing army. So we have to wake up, and then we have to have a yes in our spirit. Lord, here I am. Send me. Lord, use me. Lord, let me do my part in your, in your army. We're a part of the advancing army by the commissioning of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our army 
is not only real and being used even today, but it is advancing against the kingdom of darkness. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 16, verse 13 and 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some said John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not withstand it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Go back to verse uh, 18, and many of our translations says, the gates of hell will not overcome it. Something has happened in our English translation of the scripture, and what we've communicated is the church is in a defensive posture. We're just holding down the fort. I remember deacons in the church that I was growing up in, man, they prayed almost the same prayer every Sunday. Lord, here we are. We're doing our part. We're holding down the fort. Lord, we're looking forward to the day you come and rescue us. But till then, we're going we're gonna to keep on holding on. And it was, a, it was like the enemy's advancing, and our only strategy is just to hold on for dear life. I want to tell you that it's a good idea to read this passage with the idea of the gates of hell will not withstand what? The advancing church. So a gate, a gate is a defensive thing, right? So a gate, how is it going to prevail? The gates of hell will not prevail against us. No, the church is advancing and Jesus in his kingdom, Isaiah talks about plundering the enemy's camp and the, the, the Lord's kingdom is advancing and men, women, boys and girls are getting rescued. There's a rescue mission, a transformation mission and people's lives being made whole. It's advancing and the enemy's kingdom can't withstand it because Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers and world forces of darkness and his kingdom is on the move but what can the enemy do he can deceive us that we're losing the battle that that the enemy's going to win but God says it will not stop the advancing church so you and I are a part of the advancing church I'm really excited about this series that pastor Steve is going to preach in October because I want to talk about Joshua touched on it when he came back from his trip to Israel uh, about what's going on here at Caesarea Philippi and the cosmic implications of it. But we'll be here all week because I'm so excited. The word's just unfolding, and I'm going to let Pastor Steve have that honor. And I told him he needs to do it quickly because I I'm about to leak, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about it. So I actually, I, actually, I actually added two pages to my notes this morning to talk about that. But for your benefit, I will not do that. <laughs> so we're enlisted in the army as soldiers of Christ. 2 Timothy 2, 3 to 4. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ. So that, that assumes you're a soldier. Now, words like endurance, perseverance, patience, steadfastness, those are not our favorite vocabulary words, are they? Let's take the high ground. Let's take the mountain. But God says we are soldiers and so every soldier has to endure some sort of hardship some sort of hardship that's just it's a part of being a soldier 
And we're enlisted in the army of Christ, men, women, boys and girls, we're soldiers of the king. And then we fight the good fight of faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Timothy 6, 12, it's a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. So, so when you're at war, I want you to hear when you're at war, there's a war, there's an enemy, but there's an advancing church. There's a kingdom coming. There's a king who's on the move. Our job is to partner with Jesus on his mission in the earth together with others in our spheres of influence for the sake of this advancing kingdom. And then we're overcomers in Christ. First John five, four and five. First John five, four and five, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's back to that thing of God can't finish what he started in me. I'm going to mess it up. I mean, I used to believe a lie that I would disqualify myself from ministry. I read what Paul said, and he says, I buffet, I mean, I buffet my body so that I'll not be disqualified and so I just, I knew because of my own brokenness and my own sin, I'll never forget, it was years ago. Uh, we were, I was getting prayer in a prayer team and they were praying for something totally different. And the Lord spoke to me and said, why do you have more faith in the enemy to mess up what I'm doing in your life than in me to finish what I started? That was one of those, are you talking to the right guy? And I knew he was because I really thought, you know, the guy that did my ordination for ministry said, John Bassanio preached my ordination sermon and told us as a, as a congregation when he did my sermon, he said, by the time you're 60, nine out of every 10 ministers that you start in the ministry with would be out of the ministry. Nine out of 10. He said, I'm 35. And I can tell you, John Bassanio was wrong. I've already know nine out of 10 that are out of the ministry. And so I just looked around. I looked around at the carnage. I looked around at my own brokenness, and I really didn't think I would make it. And I'm so glad the Lord, in his goodness, put his finger on that and said, let's do something about that, that lie. He's so good, isn't he? He knows what's going on in our lives and says, ah, oh, that's just no big deal. Let me break the power of that lie off of you. And so we're overcomers in Christ. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Remember what I said about Egypt? Everybody has the opportunity. God can pull this off. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the Lord fights for us, and we are a people we are a people who've been raised up to be soldiers and warriors by the Lord, champions for his kingdom purposes in the earth. Number two, the Lord our God is our redeemer, deliverer, and champion who goes with us. The Lord our God goes with us. That is one of the best newses in all of the scripture is we're never alone. We don't do this on our own. So many of us believe the Lord has wound up this earth or, or wound up our lives, and he just said, okay, good luck. Let's see how you do. And, and God says, I am with you. Verse Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Now, there were some moments as they came up out of Egypt, right? And there were some times when Moses said, hey, you've got to do something about these people. How about, how about, and God said, well, do you want me to start over with you? 
and just wipe them all out. And, you know, there, there, was some, there was stuff going on there. But you know what? God finishes what he starts. And so our Lord is our redeemer, deliverer, and our champion, and he goes with us. Our God has heard our cry and our pain, our suffering, our brokenness and bondage in this world, and he's brought us into new life. So you're in Deuteronomy 20. Go to 26. Deuteronomy 26. Verse 1. When you've entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling place for his name and say to the priest in office at that time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. He went down into Egypt and with a few people and lived there to become a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer putting us to hard labor. Then I cried out to the Lord because to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror and miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O oh Lord, have given me. Isn't it good news that God hears our cry, hears our plea for help and our suffering, our brokenness and our bondage, and he comes to bring life and wholeness and help. And he did that for the people of Egypt, uh, Israel in the land of Egypt. He is our redeemer. He, he is our deliverer, the champion, but it's the champion who is with us. Our God has delivered us from darkness into life, from slavery into freedom. And he does this in spite of the work of, of the enemy. And, and he called us to, into being sons and daughters of God most high. He actually took outsiders and made us insiders. We're on the inside now. The scripture says in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So God has delivered us from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from being outsiders to being sons and daughters of God most high. And then our God is defeated and he's made a mockery of the principalities, the powers, the world forces. I talked about Colossians 2. Let's read it together. Colossians 2, 13. Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. You know, Paul says that if the enemy had any inkling of what was going to happen when they killed Jesus, 
the enemy would never have killed Jesus. But God's ways are not our ways, and there's only one God like our God. The all-knowing God, the eternal God, the creator God. So he made a defeat and mockery of the principalities, powers, and world forces. The Lord has proved himself over and over again in our lives. That's why gratitude is so important. We talked about that last week. Pastor Steve did. That We just need to be a people who write down and recollect and remember and reflect upon what he's done in our lives. Gratitude will disempower some of these lies, some of these deceptions, and it'll reorient our lives because in the midst of, especially when you're in pain or you're suffering or you're going through difficulties, we lose perspective. So having it written down and remembering going, oh yeah, because we really have short memories, don't we? We're forgetful people. Then the Lord has proved himself over and over and then, then the Lord invites us to partner with him on his mission. So he says, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. So the, Lord, the Lord's on a mission. The Lord is gonna get these people out of the desert and into the promised land but they have to partner with him. They have to cooperate with him on his mission and they have to say yes, that willing army. And God actually invites us to be a part of what he's doing. To me, that's the most stunning thing. I've told you over and over again, if I had been Jesus and these 12 people that I poured my life into on the night of his crucifixion, what happened to all of them? They all left, right? out of fear and pain and, and difficulty and, and they were so discouraged and, and suffering. And then Jesus defeats the enemy. He's dead, buried, and he's raised again. And, he's, and, and Jesus has come back to life and then he personally teaches the disciples for 40 days everything about the kingdom of God He's been with them three and a half years talking to him, and now they get an intensive training. And then in Acts chapter one, I think it's verse five, when he's getting ready to ascend, they go, okay, now is the time when you're gonna establish the kingdom of Israel and by implication put us all at your right hand and left hand, and we're gonna defeat Rome? In, in my staff meetings, uh, sometimes I just do this because... I have a funny team. They're, they're actually funny. And uh, I don't know how to respond, so it's, it's this, you know? Uh, or for some friends that I have, it's oy vey. You know, I, I, think, I think when they asked that question, <laughs> I'd have looked at the father and said, are you sure this plan <laughs> is gonna work? Is, is there another plan? Are, are there, is there anybody else we can work with? I mean, I really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ascend to heaven. I'm gonna pour out the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the change maker. And, and I'm gonna believe that these guys are gonna carry out what I've asked them to do. You know, oh, Jesus is good, isn't he? He looked at him, he says, yeah, you guys are no big deal. I got my secret weapon, the Holy Spirit, and I poured this into you, you're, you're gonna make it. And, uh, but I, I honor the Lord Jesus because I'd have, 
I'd have come up, I'd have probably been to plan D by now, you know, after watching the guys. So our Lord is our redeemer, deliverer, champion who goes with us. Number three, the Lord calls his priest to the front lines of the battle. The Lord calls his priest to the front lines of the battle through casting vision, bold declaration, and prayer. Deuteronomy 20, verse 2 and 4. 2 through 4. When you're about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you're going into the battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes before you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. And so the Lord calls his priest, says, okay, the priests have something to do and something to say in the midst of this, this situation. And we know from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, and Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, 9 and 10, we know that you and I are priests and kings to serve our God. So in, in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen people, so God chose you. All of us know what it's like to be on the playground or to be doing something and we don't get chosen. But God says, I personally chose you. So you are chosen to be a part of what? A, a royal priesthood. So we are royalty, we're kings. Revelation 5, uh, 10 talks about we are kings and priests to serve our God. We're actually royalty and we're a royal priesthood. Our royalty is so we'll carry out our ministry like Jesus does. The king of the universe is still carrying out his ministry primarily through intercession and prayer at the right hand of God, interceding and praying. And people say, well, does prayer, is prayer really important? Does prayer really matter? And we're a royal priesthood. And how do we carry that out? How do we carry out our kingly authority as sons and daughters of God as as these kings, we do it through our priesthood. We do it, and, and, and it says you're a holy nation. So we're not holy and good on our own, but God is beautiful. And if you get in the presence of the beautiful, glorious, holy one, you're transformed. And so he makes us what we cannot make ourselves. We're actually holy, set apart. We're, we're useful. We're redeemed. And you're a people belonging to God. These are my people. Jesus, you're so much God's people that Jesus, when he introduces you into the heavenly courts, he actually sings over you, Hebrews chapter 2 says, and says, I'm so proud to call this my, this is my sister. This is my sister uh, Jane or Suzanne or Tammy, and this is my brother. He, he is so pumped that you're his brother and sister that he stops the proceedings to introduce you and name you by name. that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you've not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. And so we know that we're priests and kings who serve our God, and a priest does two things. A priest represents God to people, and a priest represents people to God. It's really that simple. So a priest stands in the gap. A priest stands in the gap and a priest ministers to God and, and, and like Moses did and Daniel and so many people, they interceded, they did identificational repentance. They said, Lord, we speak your words over your people and we also ask for your forgiveness. And so they prayed, but we represent God to people and then we represent people to God. And Hebrews chapter six, Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 the center of the universe is a throne of grace where you and I can go to receive help in our time of need. 
So come boldly, it says. Where? To the throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne of condemnation. Your heavenly Father rules and reigns from there. Jesus, your brother, is there. And you're invited to come running in like little children. And when a child comes in to the royal court, you get to jump into dad's lap. And he gives you his full attention. And so you come there. Why? Because it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of help. It's a throne of resource for our times of need. And so we get to lift our brothers and sisters like we did in prayer this morning. We get to lift our brothers and sisters to the throne of grace because they need help, healing, salvation, deliverance. We got to stand in the gap for family members who the enemy has targeted and is taking away. And we got to stand in the gap and ask for grace for mercy, for rescue, for, for deliverance and salvation. That's what a priest does. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, well actually 1 to 11, we're actually given the clearest explanation for me in all of Scripture. In all of Scripture, we're given what a priestly ministry is about. Um. By the way, I, I had it to read this whole passage, but what, what Hezekiah in this time of revival, the word of the Lord has not been known. And Hezekiah cleans out the temple. They actually find the scroll of the Lord's law and, and, and his prophets, and, and they, they opened it up, and, they, and he, he had them read, and it was so transformative as they, as they got into the word of God that it had been decades of darkness in the land and in just a few short weeks or months, revival comes and transforms them because they read the word of the Lord. But he said, here's the reality. Because of the sins of our fathers and our forefathers and our own sins, our sons and our fathers have been killed and our wives and our daughters are enslaved. Because we failed to do what? We had been negligent to do our priestly ministry. Listen, you go, well, well I'm not a pastor. I'm not ordained. I, I don't, yeah, but you're a priest of God most high. You're a king and priest, and you have a priestly ministry. What does a priest do? Second Chronicles 29, 11. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you. Hear that word chosen? You're chosen to do what? Do four things. To stand before him, to serve him, to minister before him, and to burn incense. So as sons and daughters, we are called into a priestly ministry. We present ourselves, Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. Listen, one of the highest most important ministries you can do is just come to your God. Just be with your God and just be. Be still and know that I'm God. And, you know, we think our prayers aren't working unless we're getting answers. And we think our job is to talk the whole time. And God says, just come and be with me. Stand before me. Present yourself as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And, you know, a sacrifice doesn't get up off the altar and say, hey, how's this going? You know, is, uh, are, we, are we doing okay? Uh, Self-centered. A, a sacrifice is, I'm here for you. Oh, if we could just reorient our lives, that my life is not my own. My life is here for him. And if I give him my life, I get it in return. He who loses his life for my name's sake will get it back. What a deal. So we stand before him. We serve him. We come, Lord, how can I bless you? The other day I was 
I was in, I needed some answers to some prayers, and I was I was giving him my list, and we were talking, and the heavens were as brass, and I remembered something. Actually, it was about twenty five years ago. The Lord gave me this phrase, and and I remembered it. I hadn't used it in in a long long time. Okay, Lord, if you don't want to talk about what I'm talking about, what do you want to talk about? You see the reorientation. Stand before him and serve him. So I had this long litany of things that were really urgent, that were really important, and I could feel the frustration building up because I needed help from heaven. I needed God. And then I thought, Lord, what's on your heart? What would you like for me to pray about? What, what do you want me to do? I, I'd already come to him and spent time worshiping and loving on him, just being with him. But I give that to you as a helpful phrase, amen? Lord, if you don't want to talk about what I want to talk about, what would you like to talk about? And just wait and just listen and see what he does. And then minister to him. So there are, there's a partnership. There are things that we're supposed to do. And most Christians, Revelation chapter two, man, the church in Ephesus, they knew how to do works for God. They knew how to believe right. They knew how to think right. They knew how to serve right. They were so busy that they'd left their first love. And this is third in the list to minister to him, right? Which means to do what he's telling you to do. So many people, like that day, I was actually coming to God for my marching orders. I need to know what you want me to do. And, and I was really desperate. I needed some wisdom. I needed... And I got him out of order, you know? I forgot while I was there. And then, uh, he's good, isn't he? He's the amazing God. And, and many times I've come to him like that, and you know, he just doesn't wanna talk about what I wanna talk about, but then eventually he'll get around to it maybe a day, a week, or a month, or years later. But we came for willing surrender, right? Your troops will be willing. Yeah, this is, we get reoriented, right? And then to burn, man, oh man. Your life is supposed to be a fire for the Lord. It's supposed to be a, a stick of incense. It's supposed to just, you're supposed to be on fire. And how does a fire stay lit? It gets next to the fire, right? And, and our God is a consuming fire. Jesus has eyes of fire Revelation chapter one says, and they're, they're on fire for you. That's not the fire of judgment, but it's the fire of passionate, zealous love that just, it's, it's a pure thing that's not selfish. And man, if you, if you catch a glimpse of those eyes, you will catch on fire because he is fire. And again, he's the good kind of fire. He's, he's the holy fire. He's the passionate fire. So the Lord calls us his priests to the front lines of the battle, to the front line. And then fourth, the Lord is with us and fights for us as we face enemies like fear, depression, sickness, discouragement, demonic opposition. And so let's just read the whole passage, Deuteronomy 20, one more time. When you go to war against your enemies and you see the horses and the chariots, when you see an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. 
When you're about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you're going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. So the Lord is your God. He's personal. He's personal. He's personal. The Lord goes with you. He's present. I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never forsake you. The Lord fights for you. He's powerful. We've already talked about Colossians 2, uh, 13 through, through 15. And, you know, Jesus actually snatched the keys of death and hell from the enemy. He has been disempowered. And he's deceiving us. He has some level of power and some ability. But, it, man, I'm telling you, it's nothing like what these people in this day had to live under because Jesus hadn't come yet. And then the Lord gives you victory. He's, he's our preeminent, victorious champion. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is who our God is. I began by reading from Psalm 45, verse 1 to 4, who is this? Well, this is the one who is more beautiful than anybody else, and he girds the sword on his side, and he rides forth victoriously on behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. Don't we need some of that in our world today? He rides forth, and I want you to know he knows how to wield the sword against the enemies, cutting off their strategies and releasing his purposes and his plans in the earth. And it says, let your right hand display awesome deeds. I want you to know, God, would you come and fight for us? Would you deliver us against this spirit of fear and this spirit of anger? God, would you deliver us from this lawlessness that's at work in the earth? And God, would you help me? Would you help us? Would you fight for us? And that's who your champion is. He's the captain of the army of the host of heaven, a mighty warrior. Sacrifice thanks offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the God most high and call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. I will honor you and you will honor me. Psalm 50, 14 to 15. And then on that day they'll say in Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands lay limp at your side. The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. And he will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice with you with sing, rejoice over you with singing. That's who your God is. So the Lord is with us. He fights for us. And last week I just got this long list. I felt like the Lord was wanting to say, I want to break oppression off people. I want to break depression off of people. I want to break fear and despair and sickness, and discouragement, and demonic opposition. I want to show up mighty on your behalf. I want to break these off of you. So the Lord has raised us up to be soldiers, warriors, and champions for his kingdom purposes in the earth. In Christ, we are more than conquerors, and in Christ, we are overcomers. Whoever is born of God overcomes this world. That's really good news. The Lord our God is our redeemer, our deliverer, our champion who goes with us. Jesus says, I'll be with you. And he says, say to this people, this is your God. I just want to say, this is our God. 
This is who he is. The Lord calls his priests to the front lines of the battle because of Christ we're priests and kings who serve our God. And because of Christ, we fight a good fight of faith. Listen, it's a good fight. It's worth it. It matters. And then the Lord is with us and fights for us as we face enemies like fear, despair, oppression, discouragement, demonic opposition. The Lord gives us victories over our enemies. The scripture says, praise the name of the Lord who leads us in triumph. So we join him and we fight with him in the expansion of his kingdom because of Christ and for the sake of Christ. So God fights for us, Calvary. God's fighting for us. He's fighting for you. He's fighting for you online. Our God fights for us. Let's stand. We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.